You're now tuned into the Fully Booked Podcast with Mace, French and Pox. Enjoy the listen. Where to go? Tell me where to go. I guess referring back to our fully booked meets with Swift George, I asked him, was there any particular moment or or thing, so to speak, that changed his mindset at the time? And yeah. he, he did mention it being the time that he got the 13 stretch. At the moment that they said the 13, that was the moment he knew, all right, cool, I've got to turn this shit around. Now, in reference to Chris in the book, he says that... It was the MTC, and I'll explain what the MTC program is. And he mentioned, this is his own quote, I attribute 90% of the reprogramming of my mind to the MTC program. Now, an MTC program is a modified therapeutic community course or program. It focuses on, on, it focuses on offenders with mental illness and chemical abuse disorders. They adapt existing models of therapeutic community programs for substance users for the growing population of offenders who present co-occurring disorders that is individuals with one or more mental health disorders combined with one or more disorders pertaining to alcohol or substance abuse. Now the key to the treatment of MICA patients in the MTCs is the community method of treatment and the use of pair self-help. And the reason why he was admitted onto this program was because at the time he was um, abusing alcohol and, and weed, he says. This is his own words. Yeah. Um, so in regards to these kind of programs, do you think that they'll be useful in the UK? And I did check, I actually checked to see if they actually are in the UK and they've got, they've got some kind of modified versions but it's not quite as i would say intense or as focused as they are in uh, the us um i didn't really get into um that program specifically i don't know i don't want to say i just glazed over it as such uh, so, so just 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 to kind of give you a bit of background because i've done a bit of research on it it's essentially and he does mention it it's essentially where you have um, a buddy and you speak about uh, your problems, whether it's substance abuse, whether it's alcohol abuse, and they put you in scenarios so you see it from a different perspective. So, like, all right, cool. I think he mentions it in the actual book where he mentions uh, the story of, I think, one of the other prisoners playing a child and one of the other prisoners, or even himself, playing the parent and the parent is suffering from drug abuse and, and the child prisoner well the prisoner that played the child is saying basically oh why can't you look after me and it, and just that whole role play gets you to see what's happening behind your actions so if you're strutting food and you're doing this and you're doing that and you're singing you're singing work to a mum that's got a three-year-old child and you're not seeing what's going on behind closed doors. You're just shutting out the food and kicking it. But behind those closed doors, that mum's getting high and the child's being left by themselves to defend for themselves. 
but you're not seeing that perspective. So this is what the program helps you to able to look at some of your actions and the repercussions your actions may do and look at it from a different way of, of just living. So instead of, okay, I'm just making some bread, it's like, okay, I'm making bread, but at the sake of now making this young child starve because their parents fucked up, well, excuse my language, but their parents is messed up, uh, essentially. So this is what, this is just one of the, the modules, I guess, that this program brings to the table. So this is what I'm asking. Do you think such programs would be useful in the UK? Yeah, what I was going to say, sorry, Pete. Um, what I remember now, because I remember the particular point that I think really hit home with, with um, Christopher Freeman was when the child said, when the adult playing the child said, like, I'm hungry or I'm, I want some food or something like that. And obviously, it's spent, well, the drug abuser spent money on drugs. Um, what I would say is, do you know, there's two things. First thing, um, Freeway, Freeway Ricky Ross or Freeway, whatever they used to call him or yep. call him, Freeway Ricky yeah. obviously spent some time in jail, big drug dealer, whatever. Um, he's, I've watched a lot of interviews with him since he's been released. Now, he's doing a lot of positive things. But like one of the things he often says constantly in his interviews is, I destroyed, I didn't even realise at the time how much I was destroying my community. And I don't think, I doubt or I don't think he went through the programme in jail, but he definitely, something clicked in jail all those years he spent. And one of the things is, one of his tasks or missions is to rebuild or help to rebuild a lot of the community he basically, that suffered because of, because of, of the drug flow, his involvement in the drug flow that came through his community. Um, the second thing is, I think if someone could really see, and I think, for me, if I'm looking at it from my perspective, I'd need to see the consequence. So I'd need that that child growing up as an adult, or, or that child to come in, or um, that adult who's who's now rehabilitated, who who was maybe someone who used to consume drugs for myself. I'd need them to come in and just really give me and tell me and um, and demonstrate uh, the impact of what me selling them drugs had, or what impact I had on that person's child. That would, for me, that would really resonate. That would really, really hit home and resonate. Don't know if the whole role play would, but if it's an actual person who's now really rehabilitated and told me that the impact of my actions, what it had on their family and maybe what it had on their immediate family, wider friends and family, I think that would hit home a lot more. And I don't know if that would be the same for everyone else, but I definitely feel when you get um, a real life person, a, like a real life scenario, a person who's been through it and telling you that, or even someone, not even someone I've directly interacted with, someone that's been, someone that's actually um, been been in a situation where they've been a drug abuser and then they're coming onto the program saying exactly how it impacted them and their family lost home all the rest of it i think that would have an impact and especially if you're in a if you're incarcerated because it's going to hit home more if someone's telling you that story out on the road and you've got your rollie and your your portion you're just like yeah whatever man and you keep it moving and you're going to these fancy clubs you're kicking it with your people you're not seeing the, the impact you're just lining them up dishing up distributing dishing them out and then you're keeping it moving i think in jail where you're where you're some, or somewhere incarcerated where, you know, that's like on that particular day, that's the only interaction you're having that day apart from the rest of the prisoners. That's going to leave a lasting impact, in my opinion. I was going to say, just like a rebuttal, sorry to cut you, Pete, just a quick one. But in regards to um, that CI, right, cool. So going back to the role play, imagine right, you're that you and you've grown up, you've grown up seeing your mum or your dad like abusing drugs and whatever or not and you've come through kind of having that hardship and your only kind of way of making it in your environment 
and obviously it's not going to be the greatest of environments, is to do what got your parents in that same situation, which we, we hear many people talk about. You hear a lot of rappers say, yeah, my mum was a crack fiend, my dad was a crack fiend, whatever, whatnot. I started selling drugs just to get put some bread on the table. So um, it, it, is, it is easy to, not to say criticise, but it is easy to, to almost stand from the outside in and say, this would work and this wouldn't work. But there are people that actually live this experience and actually is that child that's in the role play and they do grow up to almost follow in that pattern, unfortunately. Mm. It's true, but I think even with my personal example, sorry, example for my personal life, should I say. So when I was like younger, my older brother and my um, parts, they always smoked. They always smoked. I remember like my, so my older brother got quite ill and uh, they say they've attributed it to the fact that he smoked and that just put me right off. It just put me right off. A, because obviously my older brother got ill but also B, because I remember going back to the financial hardships, there's a lot of struggles in the house with money and stuff, but yet, and one of the things I always hear was, yeah, but you've always got money for, to smoke your, you know what I'm saying? And, and that just put me off straight away. I was like, that put me, so it can have the reverse effect sometimes as well. Like, where it did with me, I was like, I don't know. No, I'm not interested. Yeah, yeah true. Hey, what were you gonna say? Um, like just a couple of things, really. Um, I do believe therapy works, so I would be, um, so for what I am going to say, it'll be hypocritical of me to say that, well, I just think it'll be hypocritical. I'm going to kind of give like two different sides. So I believe therapy works. I, I don't doubt it in any, any way, shape or form, but I do believe like there'll be percentages of people who will obviously buy into the therapy. Um, and there'll be people who will just continue doing what they do, really. They'll take the information in, but they'll find excuses for why they should continue selling drugs for example in this case um yeah so like for example i know i know someone who is or was or what have you selling drugs and i remember having this conversation with them probably a very similar conversation as to what they're doing and why and the excuses they were given well like i sell to people who actually work in the city so it's not a case of me just selling to people who are um in my community yeah in my community thank you um, so yeah, that's 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 a way they found of actually justifying doing what they do. And the one thing I do remember, not do remember, is I I, I mean I've, I've learned to understand is I've said it already. People will be people, but like we all have needs. I'm not saying all the needs we have are the the correct needs, but people will find a way to make excuses to do what they do for the reasons they do it. I just mm. I, I mean, and, and it said in the very beginning. I know we've had a conversation in recent time as to some of the strong stances I've had in regards to humans and people and and and, and Mason's laughing, but like conversations like that. But like it said in the beginning, the world embodies empowerment. Some of the greatest men in the Bible were killers. Moses, Paul and David. These are holy people. Society celebrates overpowering killing in sport, business, religion and politics and is evident in history. And it obviously went on to talk about Israel and Palestine. And there's no different on the ground level where people are constantly competing with each other. As, with absolutely anything and as to like the Maslow hierarchy of needs and not to go into that itself but some of the like, some of the basic needs and just needing food water shelter if you've got no other means of actually making money people will go back to selling that I was going to say rock but will go back to selling what they need to sell <laughs> it's just um, it's not like um, it's, it, it, history repeats itself unfortunately at times 
uh, going back to the, the, the question though in terms of whether the program would be useful um, personally I do think it would be useful I, I, I do I think that, that as P said there's there's people that are going to either do what they're going to do and find find reasons to keep on doing what they're doing but I definitely think if you've got for example, as I mentioned, in regards to having a a a, a body or account accountability partner, I think that that system definitely helps can help you you look at the world in a different perspective. Because say you get put with someone that has been truly affected, like another prisoner, so to speak, that's been truly affected by some of the things that not you may have personally done, but someone that's in the same shoes or been booked for the same crime and they can maybe give you more personable experience of it and, and what the effects are. I think those sort of things can help and um, I think, yeah, I think any kind, not say any kind of help, but when we, when we have these programs that they need to be actually supported, not just on the inside, but on, on the outside of the jails and the prison. So it, does, it, doesn't, it doesn't just stop at the prison. Um, at the prison yard because what what a lot of times happens is once someone gets let out all that help that they was getting inside all those programs tend to be dropped and it's like okay cool now it's time for you to fend for yourself and what tends to happen is they revert back to whatever they may have been doing majority of the time just due to not having the support network that they may have had during those particular programs so that's why I think it would be a good idea to get those things started, but not just stop once they've left the, 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 jail, the jail or the prison. Because as I said initially, it's all systemic. So it's all part of the system. Like we just need to put in, we need to input certain modalities, certain programs, so it can shift the system into a more beneficial way of, of living and, and a, a society that is actually not just putting people in jail for the sake of it, but really is rehabilitating and really is when people are coming out, they actually want to make a difference to their community that they're living in, whether they've been part of the destroying of it or, or downfall of it. I, I just want to touch on, like, obviously, I know we, we spoke with, with Sif George. Anyway, we spoke with Sif George. So, like, just bringing it back to him. So, obviously, he spent some time in jail. And we're talking about rehabilitation, we're talking about therapy. I 100% believe in therapy. And the reason why I say that is because, again, like anything, um, if you start building habits, they become a part of they become a part of you. But like, I think he is a great example of someone who obviously was inside and has come out and now, now done well for himself. But some of the things that he said in our conversation were, yes, he went about um, trying to do qualifications. I forget, he might have said a qualification in A-level in business. He might have said something along along those lines. All right? And I don't know if he... I'm, sorry? Economics. Sorry, economics. So I'm not too sure if he completed that qualification. But the one thing he did say was, like, he knew he was not going to be able to find a job when he came out. And that's what yeah. a number of people inside jail know. And forget even know, they believe. Because... Believe is a very, very strong word because it, it, it assumes 100% you're not going to get a job. But, like, like, we don't need a mathematician to do these sums. We know that there's these, these people inside jail are not going to get jobs, by and large, with some of the 
some of the criminal, yeah, with some of the with some of the some yeah, with some of the crimes they've done, or in some cases they don't even have to have done crazy crimes, but but with their with their let's say their their reputation, they're not going to come out and get jobs. So they unfortunately they have to fall back on fending for themselves. So yeah, I do believe in therapy, but like in regards to Swift George and like using his story, yeah, therapy's fantastic. Um, but it only works at a certain point. And the one thing that I did want to touch on in regards to him, I think it was one of the first things I was thinking about, was he made a conscious decision to isolate himself. So like things obviously inside the jail, like jail is manic, or it can be he mentioned one or two jails that I'm I'm quite familiar with in regards to their reputation. Um, but he made decisions that he was going to isolate himself and actually rehabilitate, rehabilitate himself by way of reading and just planning and thinking. You know, like, to, to be able to, I don't want to go on a tangent, but to be able to change the, the entire psyche of, of a prison, particularly one where there's actually a reputation, the matter of work that's got to go into that is, is twofold, if not more than that. And I just, I just I find it very, very difficult to believe that that work will be done and will be completed where you've got a turnover of individuals, prisoners who are being fully rehabilitated back into society. So that's me done. Moving on, moving on to smartest versus fastest. Life is a game of the mind. The more you're able to be with your mind, the more you're able to achieve success in life. The body has its limitations just like the world we live in, but the mind can be unlimited very similar to our infinite universe. The mind always controls the body, not the other way around. And that's on page 24. So one of the words Smith slavery falsely projected about blacks was that we were incredible physical specimens, but inferior mentally. Keeping that in mind, are we still seeing the results of that indoctrination and is the tide changing? Sorry, Mason, are you going to go first? Or? I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, French out some good questions, man. I'm thinking at the moment, P, if you, could, if you can roll off. Um, okay. are, are we seeing the results of that? Yeah, I still think we're seeing the results of that. I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to talk about football, but I mean, like in recent time in regards to football, I mean, you still find those comparisons still being made, whether it's, I don't like using black and white, but like we're talking about race. So like, um, black people are by and large known for being strong, quick and fast, can probably play yeah yeah there's not like i don't want to say this is still the case now but it's definitely still a notion that's still there there are not many there are not too many individuals of our our race where people believe they can play center midfield generally believe they can play anywhere barring center half goalkeeper and um, sorry center mid centre-half and goalkeeper. They can play anywhere else, but we can't play those intelligent positions where you actually need to use your, your mind to maybe dictate play. Um, there are other, there are other um, examples where we see that as well, if, if I'm honest. So, yeah, I think we are still seeing a result of, of slavery. And again, those things won't change in my lifetime, I don't believe, no. But I'm quite comfortable with that. I think there's something he says that I don't control what other people think, and I'm quite comfortable with that. You know, and, and that's in regards to racism. He says, "Yeah, it came clear to me. I can't control other people. I don't control other people. I'm not fussed as long as I can control my mind and what I think and ultimately what I do. I'm cool." 
I can't I can't stress I can't stress myself and put strain on my mind and my body as to the actions and thoughts of others. That's not what I can control. That that question you asked, French. Um, mm-hmm. That question you asked, I think it was, I think it's, it was brilliantly summarized in the film Get Out. Exactly, and, I was speaking. So yeah, it was brilliantly, brilliantly, brilliantly summarized in the film Get Out, and I'm sure most people have seen it. I'm not going to go into depth of it, but but I'll give a like, just a quick synopsis whereby essentially there's a community of of, of white people who they they love the they basically, what they do is they, they remove the brain of a black person, but everything else physically, the specimen, the body, they love and they keep it. So they're essentially keeping themselves alive um, and keeping themselves um, fit and, 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 and physically able, but they don't, but, and they're doing this by taking out the brain out of their kind of older, um, maybe rundown or, or um, less able bodies and putting it into like, a black body, which they deem more physically um, fit as a specimen. And I feel like there were so many messages in that film, including that one. And what he'd done with that film, Mr. Pill, was he highlighted, I think he highlighted, that, what, that question you asked, French, he highlighted how a majority of mainstream people, media, society, view the black person, in how the black person is viewed in society. And when you ask that question, I was sitting back thinking, 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 because similar to like slavery days where we would be in entertainment, whether it would be playing music, whether it would be almost um, fighting amongst each other for entertainment. It's similar now because, P, I know you brought football into it and we've got a lot of kind of uh, black influence in football, but it's the same how we were speaking earlier about music, football, with like uh, music, football, what else is that? Entertain- entertainment generally. But then, from a business sense, are we fired? Like, are these people? Is there is there abundance of black people, especially where we are, based in the UK, being fired at us, out on our screens, being fired at us? Might be different in certain areas. Sorry, certain um, certain continents. And I, I, obviously, I'm gonna I'm gonna say something like Africa and maybe West Africa, where I'm ho- I've never been to West Africa, but I'm hoping and I, I'm guessing you're more likely to see um, a lot more black prominent business people every day whether it's advertisements media whatever but over here it just seems as if it's not fired at us as much as it is entertainers uh, yeah I, I yeah definitely um, to follow what you're both saying I think yes we are still seeing the, the results of the indoctrination by just going back to the points made earlier in regards to us just being seen as entertainers, whether that's music or sport. So that's, that, that is our big pull. And I, again, I want to reiterate, there's nothing wrong with it. And I think it, 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 it is great and it puts us in a position to show our other skills. For example, um, Stormzy, he's now doing other things in regards to book book um, book publishing like that's just he's been able to do that through being into entertainment so there is definitely a positive that comes from it i think yeah and even going back to that point that allows us to see that the tide is changing that there is more of an emphasis that we are able to do more things than just entertainment i think one of the first winners of the apprentices was a black guy 
I believe. Uh, Tim Campbell. Was it the first guy or the second? One of the two, but... I think it was the first. I think Tim, I think Tim Campbell was the name. Yes, Tim Campbell, yes, the name. Yeah, yeah. So, again, that, that helps with the, the perception of we're more than just entertainers. We are adequate businessmen and we are adequate fill in the blank. Um, yeah, so that answers that question for me. Mm. Anything else you want to add? Um, no, nothing really for myself, no. Cool. So in regards to, to sport and entertainment, just to kind of cap it off, he does mention that only 0.03% of high school players make it to the NBA. So that's three out of every 10,000 players. And he also goes on to mention more stats, including um, relating to the music industry, relating to uh, Wheezy, Jay, and just to name a few. So he points out that um, from a young man's perspective, from a young black male's perspective, their thought process could be and would be, what's wrong with shooting for the stars? If I want to be rich and powerful, why are you hating on me? What advice would you give to a younger person at this point? At this point, it's just about, and I think it's, I mean, it's the, not the age old, but we've, it's what, if you listen to a lot of top business people, what they always say, they don't make their money from one source of income. They have multiple seeds planted and potted, um, planted around. And so what I say, you don't just put all your eggs in one basket. Simple as that. It's as simple as that. Every, every person, or not every person, but most people, a lot of people, people, a lot of <laughs> business people, entrepreneurs that a lot of people would aspire to or look up to or kind of, read their backstory you'll see a, a common pattern that they they usually diversified they have a portfolio of businesses or a portfolio of things they've invested in or portfolio of things they've tried some fail some don't but the one thing is they don't focus on one thing they might have a focus an overall focus on one direction they're going but they might have other other seeds that they've planted to feed into that focus so that's the thing it's about not just having one solid one solid thing and, and there's no kind of fallback or, or option two or option b some, some people might say that, well, if all my energy, I put all my energy into this thing because I have to make it or whatever, but you have to, for me, you have to have other little things that you can try and go on, uh, going on or you can try or have something to fall back on just in case. What if you break your leg? I know it's not right to think like that. What if? You don't know. Just have that little background thing that you can focus on, whether that's your education or whether that's something else, whether that's, you know, whilst I'm trying to be a footballer, basketball player, let me do a sports therapy course. Let me be the best I can be. So if it doesn't quite work out, I'm still going to be on that basketball field. I'm still going to be on that football pitch, but in a different manner. And I can still get that same feeling, that same buzz that I'm contributing towards the, the team's success. That's, how, that's what I would say to, to like, uh, 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 like my child or, do you know what I mean? A family member or whoever. Mm-hmm. Um, myself, uh, I, I'm still not, not that I'm still not sure. Um, so I'm just thinking about just sort of reflecting on what Mason said. Um, there's a part of me which would say, obviously, go for what you're, you're passionate about, but at the same time, be very mindful of. I don't want to say the, if no, no, money is important. Right? The financial reward you will get from ultimately what is what is your passion your what is your passion about, um, and then obviously as you develop into obviously what your passion is. And you become established, as Mason said. Then obviously, is a, it, there's a huge importance in being able to diversify. But I think business and things such as um, being able to diversify or invest 
um, in different things, I think, are things that we should be taught from a very young age. So despite the fact that you might be passionate about, let's say, playing football, you should have a knowledge and an understanding of um, how to invest in things, you know, and again, um, things of that nature. Great point. I think that's a great point. Um, similar to yourself, Pete, uh, I probably, it's hard, it's hard because the scenario that you, paid, you, you made there, Mace, was something that I personally went through in terms of wanting to be a football player and then like, I, was, I was decent enough to be getting scouted by pro teams and whatever, whatnot. But then I was always told to have a plan B. And that plan B for me was to go to university and do a sports therapy degree, which I did. Mm. But sometimes I feel like if... Uh, not to say I shouldn't have been concentrating on other things, but maybe if I just put my... Like, so, so in regards to advice, I would say, all right, cool. Is this, is this the only thing that you consider yourself doing for the rest of your, your life? Like, that, if this is truly the only thing, then by all means, throw all your, your, your um, eggs into this basket. But also, on the sideline, as P mentioned, is to also give that same individual, that youth, the tools to be able to invest in whether it is stocks and bonds or whether it is to invest in someone else that's um, got a business that's going on and just to be able to teach them financial literacy so if it gets to a point so okay um revert it back to music say they're, they're trying to get in the music industry which we know is very hard to get into if that's truly their passion that's the only thing that they want to do by all means go for it keep going at it but as we know the world run, is run by money so you're going to have to sustain yourself so if that means getting yourself a part-time job so you can keep on doing your thing, booking studio time and doing whatever, whatever you need to do, then by all means do that. But um, yeah, I wouldn't, it's hard. I wouldn't want to hinder them and say, look, you've got to have a, a plan B because that almost takes part of that focus that they're trying to put into this one thing, whether it's music, whether it's sport kind of takes their mind off it so they kind of juggled the two between the two but I think if they've got enough uh, additional knowledge as I said in regard as P mentioned in regards to investing being financially financially literate my advice would be to to follow follow your passion if that's what you truly want to do sorry just like in addition sorry, sorry not just like sorry just in addition um the reason why I felt I couldn't answer that question probably in its entirety or even clearly is that and I may even stutter over some of the things that I want to say, is that I was thinking about this today. Now, I don't even feel I give what some of the things that I'm truly passionate about enough attention. Although I'm building towards giving it enough attention, I don't believe I give it enough attention. Things such as, and I don't even think I'm working on plan B, I'm just working on things which um, like, are part of my makeup as to other things that I like doing as well. But as to the things that I'm passionate about and the things I ultimately want to do, I don't think I give them enough attention. So what I wouldn't want to do is to, and, and, and I can't even say that makes me happy. I can't even say that makes me happy. The fact that I don't give the things that I'm passionate about enough attention. So I think it'd be very wrong of me to give that advice to someone else as to 
work on all this plan B thing. Don't get me wrong. Some people, some people listening to this may say, no, that's bad advice. Finally, plan B can go fuck itself. I'm not interested in, I don't do, I'm not doing plan B's. I'm doing plan A because plan A is going to work. Just make sure you, 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 um, um, I want to use, I make sure I use the correct words, but make sure you uh, beef up's the wrong word, but make sure you beef up your, your plan A. Cause I just, I, I just feel actually, I just feel execution is, is, is half the problem with a lot of people. It's not that your idea is a bad idea. It's that the execution to which you're trying to um, perform is just not good enough. And it kind of like bodes to or, or leads to, you know, some people, they try something once and because they, they, they see, restre- see rejection or they see or fail, a failed attempt, they go, in a different, they go off in a different direction. It's not that you've, 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 um, you're doing wrong. It's just that it's just, you, you, I don't know, you need to go another way. I think it'd be very. I think be, yeah. I think it's poor advice to tell someone to have a plan B, and I do think about that quite often. I will prefer to go plan A, plan A, plan A to the age of seventy-five, eight years of age. If it if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Fair enough, man. I think we're I think we're split on this Go one, on. and I I just refer back to the stat in the book, for instance, P, with the zero point zero three percent. I think it was that French mentioned, and I just. Like, I'm not trying to I, like. If I was trying to be a boss player, I would, the first thing I wouldn't do was the first thing I wouldn't do would be to read that stat and be like, "Fuck, man!" Like I ain't got a chance. But at the same time, knowing like the stat that I, that stat that I know now, if my child said I want to be a basketball player, I'd say, "Cool, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and give you every avenue possible. I'm gonna get you to the. I'm trying to get you into the best. I'm gonna take you training." every week I'm gonna I'm gonna play with you in the garden, blah blah blah. But at the same time for me, um just do me a favor and just, you know, um what else do you love about the whole game of basketball? Oh, um I love I love the ref example, I, I love the referees as well. Like, I just love the fact they can control the temporal play. All right, cool. Do you know what goes do you know how to become a referee in basketball and that? Just like little things like that, just to make sure that they're thinking around the whole entire sport. Do you know that basketball basketballers need accountants? Like just stuff like that. Like because because you just I just don't I just feel like you have to be careful. If, if plan A, if you're happy that if you got to seventy five and planning didn't work, but you kept your whole life trying, fair enough, innit? So and there I don't think there's I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. I really don't think. I think advice is personable. It depends how you take on that advice. It's how the, the advice is given and who it comes from. So. Um, yeah, I think we've got different perspectives, but almost the same goal. So just very briefly, so like we're speaking about passion and then there's also talent. So you could be passionate about playing, I don't want to use football, but passionate about playing football. But if you're trash, you're trash. Mm. It's waste, it's, it's, you're, it's, it's, I don't want to say it's wasted time and effort, but essentially mm. you are wasting time. And I think one thing he does allude to in the book is as to his talents. So yeah, he was selling drugs, but actually he had a, a talent in being able to, um, I don't know, just buy and sell. So he had a talent in business. So that's the thing that he should have focused on on building and developing. And obviously I know he touches on the, the school educational system and how it wasn't necessarily maybe catered for him in regards to some of his skill sets. And had that been the case, maybe his life would have turned out a little bit different at that stage. And just, just to round that point off before we move on to the next chapter, he does say the ability to dream and bring that dream into reality is a trait of a high aspir- aspirational IQ. 
Um, so moving on to chapter three now, that is greatness, dominance, and killer instinct stages one to four, which is perspective, passion, talent, and work. Mm-hmm. Do you think everyone's greatness? Say that again, do you believe? Does everyone want greatness? No. Or no, they may do, but I, I'm very aware they're not willing to put the work in, so I'm quite comfortable with that. Actually, no, I don't know if I'm comfortable with that. I mean, as someone who's, who's, who's competing for greatness, I'm very aware. Not every, people want greatness, but they're not willing to put the work in. Uh, similar to P, no. Um, for different reasons, I say no. I just think some people are, are content. They don't, like, they don't need want greatness. They're quite content with just having something, if that makes sense. Getting to a point and just saying, you know what? I'm all right with this. Like, I, I don't want to be the best in my field. I'm just, do you know what I mean? I'm comfortable, whatever. Don't want the stress, pressure, whatever it is. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, similar. I, I couldn't say it better. I, I, think, I think everyone would like to have greatness, but not everyone is willing to put in the work to be great. So they'll settle for not being so, which, which is fine. That's okay. There's no judgment here. But um, yeah. There's, there's not really much for me to add to, to the points that you guys both made. Do you know what? What would you, what would you both say greatness is or greatness means? Do you reckon it means something in the, to that in the it means something different to each individual person, or do you think there's a, there's a there's a collective or collaborative meaning? I think I think greatness is it's almost judged by your peers on what you do, the impact that you have. Like you can be a great author, you can be a great artist, you can be a great singer. But the only way we're going to know you're great, I would say, is because of the impact you've had on society or those around you, whether it's your peers, whether that's, um, yeah, literally the impact that you've had um, on your surroundings. That's, that's what I believe greatness is. Sorry, I was going to add to that, but so what was the original question? Because I, I got thrown off. Whether or not greatness is can be defined by the individual, it's by by an in, is defined by each individual, or whether you can summarize greatness as a collective term or collaborative term that's that um, um overarches over everyone. Sorry, what was the difference between? Because you know, there was a sub question, but I don't know if that was the the, the, the initial question. That wasn't the original question because yeah. when you when you just made that last point, then you can say that as a collective. The Roman Empire was great, but not everyone in the Roman Empire was great, if that makes sense. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Yeah, so yeah, what was yeah. the original question? I forgot. But I, I just remember, <laughs> I, <laughs> I remember was something in relation to whether the end is greatness something that some so say I might see greatness as something different to French and French might see something great something to you, or does greatness mean something that you know we can all say that's greatness? We can point to okay. That, that, that wasn't it. No, the question was, do you... No, French arts, do we all aspire to greatness? Yo, are you talking about French? I thought you were talking about the sub-question. No, 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 no. All right, apologies. Sorry, no. Do we all aspire to greatness? Um, and I, I know I answered it originally in saying that, yeah, we do, but then obviously some, pe- some people settle for X, Y, Z. Um, like, sorry, no, and that's it. Mason, you went on to talk about... No, no, no. So we were talking about plan A and plan B to begin with. So, no, no, no I'm talking about... What yeah, if you don't have me to finish, maybe you understand. All right, cool. 
sorry, no, so I'm going back into chapter two. So, I mean, the, the, at the back end of chapter two, we're talking about people having a plan A and a plan B. Personally, what happens, I think people have a plan A, all right, in regards yeah. to greatness and what they're ultimately what they're passionate about. And then people just settle for plan B. So, for example, you might aspire to, I don't want to use football again, but yeah, okay, we'll use football, all right, become a footballer. And then ultimately you realise you don't have the hunger, the passion and the determination to become a footballer and you settle in some cases for something which keeps you in the industry. I'm not saying that's the case in all circumstances. But you can still be great in that plan B though. No, no, I don't, I don't deny that in any way, shape or form. And in some cases that actually might be your calling. But what mm. I'm saying is, but, but not everybody can be great in that. So like um, some people, I think Mason gave a good example. I know, but I just think some people settle. Like, okay, I'm not good at that, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to do this. Go on, Mace. No, no, I want to move on, because otherwise we'll... I know if I say something, it's going to come back. Yeah, all right, cool. Okay, and just before we go to chapter four, mm. just to wrap up what I was just saying, and he mentioned it himself. He says, nothing worth having comes easy. Success is a process that takes time. Great work is the invisible engine of 